0: and welcome to the weekly Bible wrap-up, which actually we meet every day to go through the day's readings, thinking about changing the name. Wonderful Saturday morning. I'm actually in my office. I have work to do. It's going to be a busy day for me, which normally would get me depressed because it's a Saturday. But, you know, I was in the way in and I Instead of listening to talk radio, I turned on Christian music radio. It really got me in the mindset to come in, do the recording, and then get ready for work. And I realized that every time that I set my mind in the Lord in the beginning of the day, the day inevitably goes much better. So this is a good day. We continue, or we start rather, in Proverbs 8. Proverbs, of course, a lot of the time subject matter is about wisdom, and this is no difference. Wisdom is calling out to you to embrace wisdom. Quote, nothing you desire can compare with it. Wisdom should be the highest thing that we say seek outside, of course, of our forgiveness and our f- following of Christ. But wisdom leads us to God. So sometimes I will pray for others to have wisdom and, a, and an open heart to find Christ. Moving over to the New Testament we go to Luke in the middle of Luke 5:33 the people right now are asking Jesus why why don't his disciples fast on the sabbath that's what everybody else was doing what's so special about them? Jesus responds that this isn't the time for fasting. He gives an example. Wedding guests don't fast while celebrating with the groom. Eventually the wedding will be over and then you can fast. And he uses the imagery of the church as the bride. And this is the imagery of a wedding with regards to the church. He also then uses examples of you can't use a new thing to repair an old thing. And I take it is that you can't expect the new kingdom, to the the good news, a new covenant, to conform with the old ways. Again, getting back to the fasting. But often, of course, those comfortable with old ways are resistant to change. I think the underlying theme here is this this continuing struggle and building of the difference and the, um, I won't say animosity, but certainly the difference between what was considered faith at that moment and which had really seemed to become more of a political power grab and what Jesus was bringing to the world. And then we go to Luke 6, now here we find the disciples, they're eating grain heads. They're walking through a field and they're popping the heads of grain. And I guess they're, I don't know what, I, I've never eaten wheat directly from the field, but I guess you, you can like peel off parts of it and then eat the uh, the nutritious parts. And anyway, so they're traveling and they're they're hungry. And, and then this is on a Sabbath again, which angered the Pharisees again. And Jesus counters that, hey, even David ate loaves of bread destined for the priests in the house of God. And the point that Jesus is making is that he is Lord over everything, including the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, Jesus healed a man with a deformed right hand in front of religious leaders, stating that, is the Sabbath a day to do good deeds or to do evil? Now again, what he was doing is demonstrating his authority, there's that word again, over the Sabbath. And again, this angered the religious leaders, continuing the rift, they knew something was up. Had a discussion um, with someone, I think this was in my, my men's discipleship group, that it's not that the Pharisees and religious leaders didn't recognize who Jesus was. They actually did, but they were so ingrained in the comfortable and respectful being, respected life that they had carved out as the leaders of the people that they didn't want to give that up. That puts a little bit more of a sad twist on it for me because I had always assumed that the religious leaders were just ignorant. They, I mean, yes, they wanted to protect their quote unquote fiefdom, but but. I mean, can you just imagine? It's just like you're a religious leader, you are you're actually waiting for the Messiah. The Messiah comes, and you're like, no, don't want to go down that path. That's sad. Numbers 19 in the Old Testament, the Lord instructed Moses and Aaron to do another sacrifice. And then the ashes from this sacrifice were to purify the water for the purification ceremony for the removal of sin. Then Conditions that require purification by this water follows. I won't list them here. There's a lot of procedure. I think that one reason is to um, call this out intentionally when repenting. You have to be intentional when you're repenting. And if you have a structured... Process to go through. It's not as if you can just say, "Oh, I repent," and then you're done. It's it, you're 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 being taught how to do something, and at least that's when I read that this time around. That's the feeling that I got. All these regulations are are actually teaching, in some ways, intentionality. And then on to Numbers twenty, the community arrives at Zinn, Miriam dies. Remember, she and Aaron really were against Moses marrying a Cushite woman. And I made a mistake when I talked about that a few days ago, or maybe it was like a week or so ago. Um, I had said something along the lines that I I thought that was Egyptian. It's actually more Ethiopian um, because I uh, I had a little tap on the shoulder. Let me look that up again. So apologies for that. But again, we're learning together. Anyway, people rebelled against Moses, there's a surprise, because of no water. The Lord instructed Moses to strike a rock with his staff and water flowed. This after Moses and Aaron turned to God for help with the problem instead of trying to do it themselves. Yet, got a little confused here. God tells Moses and Aaron that they won't lead them into the land the Lord is giving them because they didn't trust God enough to demonstrate his holiness to the people of Israel. And that's what I'm not really understanding because Moses and Aaron, it seemed like they did just that. They turned to God. God said, okay, strike the rock with a staff. And hey, very cool. I'm glad that you actually put faith in me. And then the Lord turns around and says, well, but you didn't put faith in me. Or you didn't trust God enough to demonstrate his holiness to the people of Israel. So... I'm missing something there. It's probably pretty obvious. You're probably all shouting into your speaker right now. Come on, Greg. That one's easy. Oh, well, it's early in the morning too. Um, Moses continues to lead though and asks for passage through Edomite territory, but they're denied, even though Moses emphasized, hey, we won't go through your fields and pop off your grain, um, which is implied, I guess. Um, or drink your water. It, it, even even if like their oxen needed water as they're pulling stuff, they, he said, "Look, we'll, we'll even pay for that." If but we won't drink water. If if our livestock really needs it, we'll pay for it. Um, but the Edomites wouldn't allow it. They said, "You know, even even though Moses said we're just going to stay on the main road, but Israel had to turn around. They went to Mount Hur or Hor. Now." Here's where Aaron died, and this is sort of like just a sudden thing, not too not too much lead up to it, um, just more like a reporting, but prior to his dying, so it wasn't obviously a sudden thing. He had, he had been sick. The uh, priestly garments were transferred to Eleazar, his son, then on to Numbers 21, just one through three. The Canaanite king also didn't allow passages through the land. I wonder why? I mean, did they did they think these at this point in time that the Israelites were a threat militarily? I mean, there were a lot of them, over six hundred thousand, and that's just counting the the I believe the warrior type men. Or maybe they just didn't want to share. I don't know. Maybe there's part of this story that we're never told that the Israelites did something to royally tick off the people in the area and that they won't let them through just out of spite. Maybe they thought that they were Egyptian spies. I don't know. Anyway, the Canaanite king didn't allow them passage through the land and they actually kidnapped a few of the Israelites. Now, that kind of like dispels the theory about not wanting confrontation. Um, because this time the Israelites fought back, rescued the people, and destroyed the Canaanites and their towns. So bad move, bad, bad on the Canaanites. They should have just let them go through. Anyway, that's it for today. We'll catch up again tomorrow. Remember to live today as if he's coming back today.